Hey everyone, today we're with John Wisner. Uh, I, I ran into Brother John uh, at Texas Baptist Institute at, at some point last year when I was passing through. And uh, today we're gonna we're gonna interview Brother John on the subject of income taxes uh, for for pastors, missionaries, church planners. Uh, just because there's such a unique situation that that we have. And, uh, you know, at Heartway, uh, I, I do my best to, to answer questions, but, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's helpful if, if we just go to someone else, someone that's, that's been in it longer and, and maybe you're not comfortable with, with handling taxes on your own, even with advice. And so uh, every now and then we just need to turn it over to the professionals, the, the guys that do it for a living. And so uh, Brother John's one of those guys. And so... Uh, he's been pastoring at, at Chapelwood Baptist Church in Huntsville for a couple of years. In fact, uh, I think he's in Huntsville now, and uh, I'm over here in Alvin, Texas. And so uh, we're doing this uh, podcast on Zoom. Uh, I think we'll, that's a possibility. So, uh, Brother John, would you, would you mind uh, you know elabor- elaborating a little bit more on, on what you do? So sure, Jody. I appreciate the opportunity to... Uh to share not only with you, but share with uh, other pastors and missionaries that are all across the globe that uh, it's a very um, interesting waters uh, when it comes to clergy taxes. And uh, I've been pastoring uh, uh, one of the Lord's churches for the last 20 to 25 years um, within the, you know, the MBA of Texas, and um, of course, started doing income taxes about, uh, oh, I guess about 11 years ago, was introduced to this line of work when I retired. Um, I retired as a prison warden from the state of Texas. A lot of people know that. Uh, some of you may not, but uh, uh, I always tell people I did time for 30 years in Texas prison, but uh, uh, when we do tax returns, it's a running joke around here that I tell people, uh, I've already been to jail once and uh, I'm not going back. And of course, that kind of alarms <laughs> them when I tell them that. But uh, then I have to clarify and, and, and tell them that, you know, because I know what it looks like on the inside of jail, uh, we're going to prepare your tax return and I'm not going to go to jail for you and I'm not going to go to jail with you. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, knowing knowing that the seriousness of income tax and things like that, mm-hmm. of course, the the mm-hmm. um, uh, the bluntness and the firmness of the Internal Revenue Service, you have to be lighthearted where you can be lighthearted for sure. But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, thanks. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, and I've already I've already come to you a couple of times with with questions that I had as I was starting off this ministry just because it's it's complicated i mean i i I went through some initial training and i did some corporate tax stuff as an accountant staff accountant for a while but this subject of income taxes you know specifically related to clergy is a whole nother ball game and so uh thank you for your service and and helping uh with this and with the podcast today uh so we're going to get into some questions that i hope will be helpful to, to you guys listening out there uh, first question, uh, what are the most common errors uh, that clergy make on their tax returns? Well, there's there's several, and we probably don't have enough time to cover all of the errors that uh, that a, especially a new minister might make. 
Um, mm-hmm. one, of, one of the common misconceptions among not only ministers, missionaries, and also um, our churches um, within our within our local associations, um, they don't know that a a pastor is a duly employed individual. And what that means is is that for income tax purposes, a pastor is an employee of the church. Now, oftentimes I've heard it, you know, stated, and probably you ministers have too, that, oh, I work for God. He's the one I respond to. He's the one I'm accountable to. And while that's true in the biblical sense, but in the in the world of the Internal Revenue Service, uh, you are an employee of the church. And uh, so the church dictates a lot of things regarding hours, um, schedule, uh, days that you're going to, you know, be there and not be there and things like that. And so for employment purposes, you're an employee of the church, but for self-employment purposes, for social security and Medicare, you are self-employed. And so as a pastor, a pastor is responsible for paying his own self-employment tax. And that's all of his own self-employment tax. One of the common errors made is, is that uh, the, the church will not issue a W-2 to the, uh, to the pastor. And that's an error by the church to not issue that W-2. So the church may issue a 1099, or the church may even take the position that's in our doctrinal statement of some associations that says there'll be a uh, separation between church and government. And so I know that at one of the churches that I pastored in early on in my ministry, uh, the church informed me, uh, we're not going to give you a W-2, we're not going to give you a 1099, and what you tell the government that you made as far as salary is what you tell the government because we're not having anything to do with the government. Wow. And so while that's while that's great in spirit and that's great in lots mm-hmm. of, and, and I get the meaning behind that, a, a lot of churches mm-hmm. have that idea, I get that, but those same churches are very quick to apply for a sales tax exemption. So they don't mm-hmm. have to pay sales tax at Sam's or Costco, but they don't want any other dealings with the Internal Revenue Service. And so uh, it does mm-hmm. the pastor a great disservice by not issuing him a W-2 or, or, a t- or at least a 1099, but, but he's an employee of the church. Um, and then when churches want to pay uh, the Social Security for the pastor, one of the things that they have to recognize is, is that when the church pays half of the social security for the pastor, that is counted as income. And so therefore the pastor has to turn around and pay what? He has to pay income tax on that income. Um, one of the other misnomers among uh, uh, pastors is that, well, that's a that's a love offering. That's a cash gift for um, a, a graduation speech, or that's a cash gift mm-hmm. for a baptism, or something like that. Well, uh, while while we may think that that's nice and feels good that our people appreciate us and they give us a gift of love and a love offering, in the eyes of the Internal Revenue Service, that's income because you're mm-hmm. doing your job as a minister by baptizing. You're doing your job as a minister and a representative of the church to uh, to baptize, conduct weddings, conduct funerals, things of that nature. And so when you receive a gift uh, that we call a love offering in many circles, those are wages and those should be reported, mm-hmm. uh, reported as wages. 
So when ministers do their own income tax, one of the common mistakes that I've seen is that they will, and I don't want to get too detailed here, but they'll fill yes. out a Schedule C, which is for a um, small business, for a mm-hmm. uh, small business sole proprietor as a member of the clergy. And the first place that they'll put their housing allowance is on the line where it says returns and allowances. And so they subtract it from their salary. And that's an incorrect thing to do because your housing allowance is subject to self-employment tax. It's not Mm -hmm. subject to income tax. And Mm -hmm. so it has to be reported correctly. Um, Another thing that uh, pastors often make the mistake of doing is that A, they don't keep a mileage log. Uh, The mileage log is a great beneficiary tool for a deduction for a pastor if he's paid by W-2 or if he's given a 1099. Uh, The current (laughs) mileage rate for 2022 is going to be 58 uh, cents per mile. Uh, Of course, a lot of that's due to the high gas prices that people are paying today. And so that's that's a great mileage deduction, but you got to keep a mileage log. And that (laughs) mileage log does not include the miles from your house to the church. It's the mm-hmm. miles you drive from your church as you go to visit or the hospitals or weddings or funerals or things of that nature. So uh, if a pastor is audited and uh, pastors are routinely audited because one, you are a sole proprietor. And so the IRS knows that uh, there's a lot of deductions there for pastors. And so pastors can mm-hmm. be audited uh, very quickly, very routinely. The mileage mm-hmm. log is something is a must have. You must have that mm-hmm. mileage log and, and you got to be able to present it under under exam. And that includes dates, names, places of where you've been, what you did, things of that nature. So uh, just, just have that and be ready to show it if you need to. Uh, I always recommend that pastors, uh, you know, study themselves, uh, their taxes, just like they would, uh, you know, study the Bible because they're going to be held accountable to the IRS, just like we're going to be held accountable to God. And so um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good publications, but one of the publications that I use and one of the resources that I go to uh, on an annual basis is by the author, Richard Hammer. Richard mm-hmm. Hammer is not only an attorney, but he's also a certified public accountant. And he writes uh, several books and publishes several materials and, and publications uh, strictly for the pastor, strictly for the church. And so I would mm-hmm. encourage you to add that to your library, pastors. Uh, it'll give you a lot of insight about housing allowances, uh, medical reimbursement, reimbursement of your expenses for your library, um, things that are deductible for you if handled mm-hmm. appropriately, uh, and things that you may not have thought of when it comes to um, not having to treat that as income but as a reimbursement to you for your expenses. So those are some of the things. Okay. I hope that answers yeah. your question, Jody. It does, yeah. And, I, and as you were speaking, yeah, it was uh, the, the questions that I, that I got, mainly this this tax season, uh, just kind of launching Heartway, where, where a lot of them uh, asking about the 1099 W-2 situation, getting a 1099 versus a W-2 from their church. And uh, so that's that's still um, a thing that, that people are dealing with out there. And uh, you know, I'm directing them down the right path. I don't know where it goes from there because I'm just answering questions at this point more than anything. But um, yeah, I appreciate what you say and in, in, in emphasizing the seriousness uh, of taking the time uh, 
asking the right questions, uh, doing enough analysis to make sure you're reporting properly and you're not, you know, skipping out reporting income that should be reported. Uh, so just because you don't view it as income. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's been a really helpful answer. Um, the, the book that you recommended by Richard Hammer, what was the title of it? Do you- so, um, I didn't, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the tax office today and I had the book at okay. home and left it at home, but it's, it's, uh, if you just put in Google, Richard Hammer, uh, you know, current okay. uh, church law, tax law, uh, for clergy, mm-hmm. It'll pop up, I think, uh, 2022. <clears throat> this year is his fifth edition of okay. that book. And um, he, you can also, I think, not to not to promote another, here, here's another place to go. You could go to Guidestone, um, mm-hmm. which is the financial arm of the Southern Baptist of Texas. Go to Guidestone mm-hmm. and there you can download a minister's resource guide that's kind of a, uh, oh, I guess a mini version of the big book. Uh, the big book will give you, for me, it gives me court cases to cite and it gives me uh, revenue rulings and things of that nature, which may be too detail oriented for uh, the normal mm-hmm. pastor taxpayer. But you could go to Guidestone and you could download um, his, uh, his book there, uh, probably about a hundred pages or so. And it will give you some thumbnail information uh, that would help you to to answer some immediate questions. And it's not written in legalese. And so he writes it in a way that people can understand it. You can grasp it and you can say, oh, that's what that means. Um, You know, and while we were talking, one of the things, I guess, the common mistakes that a young pastor makes when he when he enters into the ministry is that. Uh, he doesn't know that within the first two years of entering the ministry, you have the option to opt out of Social Security, meaning mm-hmm. that if you prefer not to be a member of Social Security and pay the self-employment tax, you can opt out. And so while that mm-hmm. saves you, you know, 15.2% or so in taxes over the course of your lifetime, it also mm-hmm. means that at age 65, 66, 67, that you would not be eligible for any type of social security annuity, uh, no mm-hmm. retirement plan there unless you made your own retirement plan. And so there are a lot of pastors that when they entered uh, the ministry, uh, they were naive, not sure, unaware, mm-hmm. and made the election to opt out. They later regretted it. But then you've got mm-hmm. pastors uh, that you take, for example, somebody who's already worked a, a 30-year career, 40-year career somewhere, and they're late coming into the field of ministry, and uh, you know they've already satisfied their Social Security quarters and requirements, and they're eligible to draw Social Security when they reach that age. That person may opt out of mm-hmm. self-employment tax because you know, they're opposed to it or whatever, but they can opt out and not pay those self-employment taxes on that ministerial income. And it has no effect on their retirement later on. Hmm. That's so, good. Yeah. Thanks for, for pointing that out. That's, that's helpful advice. So I think I found the name of that book. It's 2022 church and clergy <coughs> tax guide, I believe. So, um, yeah, 
But thanks for pointing out Guidestone. I think that will be uh, another good uh, thing to check out for for people out there who are stressed uh, about taxes. And there's a lot of stress about taxes. Uh, you know, there's there's stress um, about making an error, about if an error was made in, in the past on a tax return. So if, if someone out there listening is, is stressed out about maybe an error they've made in the past or this year on their tax returns, what, what do you recommend that they do? So, of course, the first thing is, is get it verified. And that means, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ask questions. Uh, if, it, if it means coming to see a professional or someone who does this, that's what I encourage you to do. You know, you can, mm -hmm. uh, you can send a, a, a tax return to somebody normally by email and say, hey, would you look this over and see if I've made a mistake somewhere? or see what might see what I'm doing wrong. Now, not everyone's gonna do that because you have to understand that tax preparers, they work for a fee just like anybody else. So that's their livelihood. Mm -hmm. So yeah. chances are that they're gonna look it over for you is probably slim to none. But uh, if you've got a friend who's a tax preparer or somebody, then you know, by all means get another set of eyes on it. But mm -hmm. you may not be aware until it's too late. And you may not be aware that you've made a mistake until you get that letter in the mail from the IRS that says, hey, we've got a question here for you about this. And then at that mm -hmm. point, they've discovered your error. And so mm -hmm. you're either going to agree or disagree. Of course, at that point, I would recommend that you come see somebody. Uh, yeah. And I'm not necessarily, I'm not promoting myself. I mean, you're more than welcome to come see us, give us a buzz. But there are mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of good tax professionals out there that uh, mm -hmm. deal with clergy, deal with pastors' taxes. Now, I'll tell you this. There are just as many who will not touch a pastor's taxes as there are of people who do the pastor's taxes. And so mm -hmm. everyone is knowledgeable when it comes to preparing the clergy tax return. Um, yeah. We're the only vocation in, uh, in the tax code that's called out by name, and we've got our own section. So... <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of pastors say that um, different different tax companies that, that we see around small towns and stuff as big name companies have messed up their <laughs> their tax returns because they weren't aware of the specific uh, clergy nuances. And so, so, so John, you, you guys, you guys could help in a situation if, if, if a pastor, for instance, gets a letter from the IRS and they want to do an audit, you could kind of guide them through that process or that's correct yeah that's okay. that's not a problem that's not a problem yeah that okay okay yeah so I, I would recommend someone like john i wouldn't recommend myself for that situation um like someone because it's going to be it's going to be a process right i mean it's yes. not it's not an over it's not a one-day thing it's a well so so if a, if a if a minister or missionary mm -hmm. member of the clergy gets a letter that says that uh, we've got a question about information on your return. Well, the IRS may just say we've got a question, and and here's here's their common thing what they what they'll do. Hey, we've got a question about your return, and uh, we'll let you know in about sixty days when we're finished with our review. And you may never know okay. what the question was, but they just wanted some more time to look closer at your business. All right, see if things are matching up. But then you also may get a letter that says you've underreported your income because we've got a 1099 here that you didn't report, or we've got a W-2 here that you overlooked, 
uh, or mm -hmm. we've got bank interest that you didn't report. Uh, so you have to understand that every payroll document goes to the Internal Revenue Service first. Whether it comes to you or not, it always goes to the IRS. And so mm -hmm. if you report your income tax, income tax, and you think you've done an awesome job of reporting everything that's come in, but then let's say you forgot something or you didn't receive something, but it was reported that uh, you, you mm -hmm. reported in your name, reported in your social security number. About 18 months after you filed your tax return, you're gonna get a letter in the mail and we call those a CP2000 notice. You can always look in the upper right-hand corner of any IRS letter, get the notice. That tells the tax professional like me what this is in reference to. And, and mm -hmm. the most, most common mistake that every taxpayer makes is under-reported income. And so mm -hmm. you overlook something. You overlooked mm -hmm. the 1099, you overlooked the W-2, you overlooked the 1099-R, or you thought, hey, my social security is supposed to be not taxable. I'm not gonna claim my social security. Well, if you have other income, a portion of your social security is taxable. And so you mm -hmm. have to report all global income. And so that's probably mm -hmm. the number one common mistake among all taxpayers is underreporting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there offhand, you know, for someone that doesn't have a very complicated tax situation, but uh, would prefer to use a software than do it by hand. Is there a specific software that you recommend someone out there in that situation use if they are filing their own? Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of software companies that, uh, that promote a software. Mm -hmm. and, and while I've never used a software company to prepare taxes um, in, in the consumer world, I think it would be difficult for me to say, you need to use product A or product B um, mm -hmm. because, because I've not used them and I'm not familiar with what the requirements are. So I certainly wouldn't want to go on record and say, sure. yeah, you need to, you need to use this brand. That's the only brand out there because mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. But, um, you know, we, we use in our office, we use a professional software, uh, to prepare tax returns. And, and while, while software is great and preparing a tax return using software is great, it the, the computer does not answer your questions. And so one of the things that we educate our staff here on in our office uh, is that you have to be able to answer the phone. And so you can't put things into the computer and hope you get the right answer. You've got to be able to answer questions on the phone. Just like we're doing a podcast today, I'm not putting information into a computer or doing the Google search to get the information to respond to the questions. You either know it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I would hate to recommend a software for for somebody, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 then Jody, they have problems with it and say, "Well, you yeah. you told <laughs> us this is what to use." You know? Yeah. No, it's just it's, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, I was just curious. Anyways, yeah, that that was helpful. Um, so if you have, you know, some, some doubts about something, check it. And, uh, if you need an extra set of eyes or if you get a letter, um, right. from the IRS and you're not sure where to go, reach out to, 
a tax professional, especially someone uh, that knows clergy taxes like John here, and they can they can help you out. Um, so uh, my next question is, uh, you know, there's a lot of missionaries that when they're on deputation or they're back for a furlough, uh, they use RVs and and trailers uh, to to do their travel instead of hotels. Uh, some some past uh, some missionaries and church planners they even uh, make that RV uh, their primary residence. And so, uh, what are what are some tax advantage that advantages that uh, missionaries in this situation can take advantage of? Well, so you know we get into this situation of. Um, is that missionary or that pastor or whoever, uh, whoever the person is, uh, are they in an accountable reimbursement plan with the church? Meaning, okay. is the church going to cover their expenses as they report their expenses and as they have receipts and document their expenses? Because if, if, if the pastor clergy missionary is in an accountable reimbursement plan with the church, and that's what's recommended by the IRS, that's what they want you to do as a pastor. They want you to be accountable to the church, not be accountable to the Internal Revenue Service. And so uh -huh. it's always beneficial to have an accountable reimbursement plan set up between the missionary and the church. Therefore, the church covers the expenses of the missionary as the missionary incurs those expenses. Then it's not reported as income, all right? But uh -huh. if, if, the, if they're not into an accountable reimbursement plan and the missionary is working on income that's been uh, given to him or whether it's through designated funds, wherever his income comes from, then any expenses that would be considered, I'm gonna give you two words here, reasonable and necessary. So mm -hmm. the, the missionary is a sole proprietor. The clergy is a sole proprietor. The pastor is a sole proprietor. And so he's a one man, one, one man. Uh, and, and of course, if you're a missionary, might be, might be a woman, a female missionary. So I don't want to be a gender specific mm -hmm. thing there, but yes, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you're a one person show and any expenses that you encounter that are reasonable uh, associated with your line of work are potentially deductible. So if they're reasonable and if they're necessary for you to conduct this business. And so naturally, if you're a missionary on deputation and you're out there working and hustling and getting appointments and going from church to church to church, that's very reasonable. And not only that, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's necessary. And you've got to travel, <clears throat> meaning you've got to have a place to stay. So whether you stay in a hotel room or whether you stay, you know, in an RV. All of those things would be considered, you know, as potential deductions. Now, one of the things about the RV is that you can declare that 50% of this is for business use and 50% of it is for personal use. So because mm -hmm. it's an asset, you make the determination as to how much of this is gonna be for business and how much of this is gonna be for personal. And so you brought up an interesting question that if this is the primary residence, if this is their homestead, they don't have a they don't have a geographic home. This is their tax home, all right, living in this RV, then it's safe to assume that we wouldn't want to use this as a 100% deduction for business uh -huh. expense. We'd want to use it, all right, 
you know, at a percentage, whether it be 70-30, 50-50, 60-40, uh, we make that determination of how much did you use it this year for business expenses? So, uh-huh. you know, that's one of the things we'd have to look at. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, is there ever a situation where someone could, um, say the art, like use expenses related to the RV as a housing allowance, or does that even make sense to do that? Or yeah, Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And so, um, you know, if the, if the church uh, designates uh, a portion of that as a housing allowance, then yes, then the housing allowance could be utilized for uh, the RV expense uh, from the utilities, the insurance, the actual cost of the RV uh, mm-hmm. interest if the RV is being financed uh, all of mm-hmm. those things would go towards that uh, and of course the maintenance and repairs all of those things would go toward the housing allowance okay all right good good yeah so there's there's a lot I know there's a lot of guys a lot of families right now that are that are in those similar situations so I hope uh, this could be of use for them um, so <clears throat> I guess um you know, for pastors of, of churches out there that that send out missionaries, what advice can you give them in providing tax forms to their sent out missionaries that makes everything both in compliance and easier for their sent out missionaries as far as filing taxes goes? So, of course, one of the things I would recommend is that when when a church sets up a fund, uh, you know, for their missionary that you know that they don't necessarily give it the individual's name but they they give it in the name of the mission uh so you take for example um let's say that we're going to have a uh, a mission in huntsville so we want to call that the huntsville mission or we want to call that the huntsville mission project or we want to call it the i-45 project whatever we want to call it and so you may have a missionary that's there in name but I think the fund needs to be set up as a, as a project rather than an individual's name. So that when uh, people want to designate offerings, they're gonna designate offerings to that project, not to that individual person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yes, sir. Because, because this, is, this, is a, this is an issue that we want to make sure that we avoid this issue. Mm-hmm. The tax code states that when a a person gives a charitable gift, when they give a gift to the church, as long Mm -hmm. as they don't designate it to a specific individual with strings Mm -hmm. attached and make that gift restrictive in nature, that they can only use it for one purpose and one purpose only, then that charitable gift is no longer treated as a gift and it's no longer deductible mm-hmm. okay? okay so and and i'm i'm in discussions with a pastor in their church right now with this very issue and so i just want to make it clear to everybody that if if someone in the church makes out a check to the church and says i want you to give this to the pastor okay so that he can make his car payment and at the end of the year, the treasurer should not give that person a slip for that deduction because 
that did that gift was designated for someone. If anything, it should be counted as income for the pastor. And so mm-hmm. those are some very um, intricate things that we get involved in. Now, yeah. uh, a, a giver can designate it to missions. A giver can designate it to the building fund. A giver can designate it to different projects within the church. And, and there's no problems with that. There's no issues. But when the giver mm-hmm. gets very restrictive, then it be- can become an issue and, and you lose the tax deduction for the individual. So you want to kind of okay. stay away from that. Okay. Uh, uh, you, but you asked the question. I know I chased a rabbit here. Ask the, ask the question one more time. Refresh me. Uh, just, just advice uh, that you can give pastors of churches that send out missionaries uh, to make everything easier for the missionary filing their income taxes and yeah. still in yeah. compliance. Yeah. yeah. So, so put them on a W two. All right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're an important. You know, put them on a W two. Make it easy for them, and then uh, get into an accountable reimbursement plan. Um, you know, because they're going to they're going to be signing checks, or or somebody's going to be signing checks in this missionary account. So there needs to be a good accountable reimbursement plan for the expenses, so that uh, some of those expenses are not counted as income. Some of them are going to be counted as income, but some of them are not. And so you just need to make sure that you've got a good track record there of documentation of what you're doing, what's okay. what's considered as income, what's not considered as income, and you've got your receipts and things of that nature to back it up where you're uh, reimbursing your missionary, reimbursing your pastor for expenses that they've incurred associated with the ministry. So mm-hmm. that, that's the biggest thing. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've personally experienced the, the switch from being a foreign missionary to being a missionary that's now based stateside. And when we were a foreign missionary, we had a different situation with our children's education, whereas stateside uh, public school is an option. And so uh, the, the different, you know, uh, donations that we are receiving designated for our children's education um, from from different great ministries out there like Amen, assisting missionaries with education needs and um, from some other churches that, that wanted to specifically help uh, with our children's education and the expenses related to that. Uh, we, we were, uh, you know, needing to report that as income because of right. because of the situation. And so I know that I know there's other missionaries out there that just probably haven't thought of it. Uh, maybe they've done even similar things. And uh, yeah, it's just another thing to be aware of. Uh, and you pointed you pointed all of that out. And so, uh, any any other advice, uh, tax advice out there that you might provide for for clergy? Well, just know that uh, you know, like I say, we're a special, we're a peculiar people for sure. We've got our own portion mm-hmm. of the tax code, and uh, and I always make this I make this a point when I address churches and pastors and 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 teaching church treasures and finance people and things within the church. Uh, that, you know, the clergy tax code goes all the way back to the Mosaic law. And that mm-hmm. is that the tribe of the Levites were going to be taken care of and they were going to be provided housing that they did not have to build themselves. And so, you know, we've incorporated mm-hmm. that Mosaic law into a lot of our churches with parsonages 
And of course, then with the IRS mm -hmm. has taken a view of that as well, of giving mm -hmm. a housing allowance. And so mm -hmm. uh, while the while the courts have have tried to some courts, I should say, have tried to overturn that, uh, it's it's been a it's been a longstanding law on the books of the housing allowance for pastors. And that has ties back to uh, the Mosaic law for the tribe of the Levites. And so uh, God mm -hmm. is still working in our government. We may not see that mm -hmm. every day. But the presence mm -hmm. of God is still in our government. It's still written into our tax code. So uh, mm -hmm. I just share that with folks. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I've never, I had never thought about it that way before. That's, that's, that is, thanks for pointing that out. That's really helpful for, for those of us out there that are, uh, are trying to see the biblical root of certain things. Right. And so, uh, you know, in terms of taxes, you know, it's always like, I, I, it can be stressful because, you know, um, missionaries or church planners, pastors, they're making those estimated tax payments sometimes. And, um, and, and you think, well, this is a lot at times, you know, depending on your situation. And, uh, there, there's, you know, there's, there's temptations out there. Satan is tempting to, to be like, well, you know, I'm God knows I can't, I can't pay for this. And, and, uh, and, and they might be tempted to, to not, um, to, to not report correctly, to not report all of their income. And, and, and when you go back to that, you just think, you know, um, render to Caesar what Caesar's, you know, it's not, it, it's, 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 it's money. It's in the whole scope of, of the world and everything God created. I mean, money means very little to God. God, God can just do a whole big work. Uh, but it's our responsibility to handle uh, with what he's blessed us with correctly. And, and, and the way to do that is to report all of our income and, and do as good as we can do um, in terms of reporting and filing our taxes. And so, um, yeah, there's no there's no excuse to that. And and, and God will provide, um, you know, he, he, he commands it in Matthew six that when we put him first and we seek him and follow him and, and do his work that. He promises to take care of us uh, financially sure. and, and with with everything and so uh, for our needs and so um, that is that is something to, to hold on to as you go through this because we are in a time where where inflation is 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 going up quite rapidly and and prices of different things gas and all of these different things are are really high right now so um, you know just trust God through it all and. Uh, if you if you're hesitant about taxes, reach out to to me and I can answer some questions. If you if you need uh, more professional advice and you need help with the actual filing process or if you're getting uh, letters from the IRS, uh, for sure go to someone like like John here, uh, who'd be more than more than happy to do those things. Um, and so uh, tax tax preparers are worthy of what you pay them. Uh, it's a it's a lot of work, and so uh, that's um, it, it's for the for the for the stress that it that that can go away just by um, you know having that little bit of security of someone else that that is more that has the time and has the knowledge and has the education to do these things. It, it, it's sometimes worth it. Uh, than just to and save not, that not only not only <laughs> not only that Jody but mm -hmm. here here's the other thing is that 
you'll prepare your taxes this year, 2022, and maybe you filed your tax return already and you prepared it yourself. Well, guess what? The law that you use to prepare your 2021 tax return has already changed. Mm-hmm. And so the law for 2022 is not the same law as what it was a year ago this time. And so right. because the, the world of taxation changes on a dime and it changes mm-hmm. almost on a daily basis. And then not mm-hmm. only that, but what we find in our profession is, is that we will do it one way And then before the ink is dry, the law has been changed and made retroactive Mm -hmm. and goes and then it does undoes everything we've done for the last three or four months. (laughs) So you have to stay on top of it and you have to be current of what the law is today and what's going on and how will this impact my, you know, how will this impact me, you know, going forward. One of the things that I tell all my clients when they come to see me and and I probably have I, I'm gonna guess I'm just I'm just guessing uh, somewhere between 100 to 200 pastors that come uh, or their churches or missionaries that come through our office or by email call us send us information to get their taxes done. One of the things that I stress to everybody is if you're going to make a five thousand dollar decision. Uh, within the next 12 months or before before December 31st, if you're going to make a $5,000 mm-hmm. more decision, call me first. Let me mm-hmm. know what you're fixing to do so I can tell you this is what it's going to ultimately cost you. Okay. Because every way that we spend money uh, in the United States of America or receive money has tax implications. And so if you're mm-hmm. gonna if you're gonna make a distribution, if you're gonna make a loan, if you're gonna make a mortgage, if you're gonna send your daughter or son to college, uh, if you're gonna buy a home, anything that you spend money on has a potential tax implication, whether it's a deduction mm-hmm. or not, or whether it's income or not. So mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, I can help you point the gun in the right direction, but I cannot put the bullet back in there once you pull the trigger. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. Um, So before you make those big decisions, reach out to a tax professional like John or uh, I can I can help with some questions, too. So, um, yeah, this is this has been really helpful, John. Um, You've given a lot of good advice, a lot of stuff to to think on. And if someone's out there and they're uh, concerned now or they're they're thinking, oh, I need to get this right. uh, Yeah, reach out, reach out and uh, don't don't just continue to live in that uncertainty with that stress right. knowing that you know this isn't this isn't correct and and, and 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 potentially dealing with major issues down the road by not dealing right. with it now okay right. so uh thanks john so much uh for, for letting us interview you today i really appreciate it uh and this has been the heartway podcast where we help with issues at the source till next time